from the Wayne Sumner Studio. My recommendation is in honor of the British Bodie McBoatface. It's uh, Sonny McCarface. Broadcasting live in Boone, North Carolina on 90.5 WASU-FM. You're driving and you think you start getting hungry and you're like, oh, I have a Dunkin' Donuts app on my car. Why not I just buy 12 donuts? Around the world on iHeartRadio and WASURadio.com. It's astonishing what you've done. You managed to have a three-car pileup on a road with a speed limit of 25 miles per hour. Right in front of the police station, too. So, uh, congratulations. This is Loopy Radio. This is Loopy Radio. This is Loopy Radio. I'm Loopy. It is the 18th of September, 2019. Not going to lie, I was slightly distracted getting here tonight. I walked into the studio with about 20 seconds before the show was supposed to start. So I am uh, all over the place right now. Literally setting things up still in the studio. Uh, This is like, it seems like today, it seems like it's the first time this place has rained in like 20 years today. Uh, nuts. I, I'm surprised the mountains didn't turn into sand dunes. Was, it was actually kind of nice. I mean, it, everyone felt really slow and uh, kind of crappy because of it, but, uh, you know, it was a good day. It cooled it down. It cooled it down. I mean, it's been in like the 80s for forever. Yeah, I'm up here complaining, and then my parents, who are from Charlotte, will message me and be like, it's hot down here. I'm like, oh, yeah, I mean, it's true. I've got some interesting things uh, up on the show today. Um, very loopy radio-ish material. We have Wendy's breakfast menu. Mm, big news. Um, yeah, stuff about UFOs, my personal favorite. Uh, interesting. So on my list of notes here, I've it goes one, two, four, five, six. There's no third... Um, Third thing to talk about. Interesting. Uh, and then stuff about uh, all over the world right now. There's a bunch of stuff going on about uh, like e-cigs and, and uh, things of the like. Um, even China is now doing stuff about it. China has just banned the jewel. It's gone. And it's only been there for about a week. So they allow it and then they get rid of it. And people complain about stuff in this country. But uh, the first little thing here, Wendy's breakfast menu. I don't, um, I don't know about you. Actually, I do know about you. You can probably eat this. I can't because I'm gluten-free, not by choice. And uh, breakfast stuff typically is quite gluten-y, gluten-ish. Uh, you know, if you think about it, you know, biscuits, yeah. Uh, usually hash browns have some sort of like a flour in it. Especially if it's fried, bagels, anything with bread, basically anything decent, uh, but pancakes, waffles, all that stuff is gluten. So uh, my breakfast menu for myself is fairly low. Even a lot of cereals have gluten, so I'm hopeless. I don't eat breakfast because of it. But nevertheless... I must talk about the importance of the Wendy's new breakfast menu. Here's what's on it. This is from this. This is from CNN. So you know we're talking about some serious freaking news right now. Uh, breakfast, they say, is serious business in the hyper competitive world of fast food. I think about um, when I was a kid. 
Uh, I, I grew up in a house with three uh, of three boys and two parents. Uh, you know, but the three the the kids were three boys, and so every now and then, uh, one of us got to go to breakfast with our dad. And for the longest time, we would get breakfast at McDonald's because. I mean, we didn't know that it was, you know, McDonald's wasn't as nice of breakfast as you could get. Eventually, we leveled up to, like, Brugger's Bagels. But uh, the the more I think about it, the the more I realize, you know, breakfast stuff in fast food restaurants is pretty serious, especially coffee. And then if you can get people uh, crazy enough about your coffee, they'll start, you know, they'll start buying other stuff to go along with it. Wendy's is trying to jump into the game. I think of when I think of breakfast, I think of Bojangles. I think of uh, McDonald's. I think of Chick Fil A, and Wendy's always seems to be trying to jump into all these uh, all these conversations. CNN says uh, Wendy's is the latest to announce a big investment in getting morning customers. The company said Monday uh, it's taking breakfast nationwide next year. Monday is in like a week ago. This is you know old news, uh, but they they announced about a week ago that it's it's uh, taking breakfast nationwide next year. With a new menu inspired by its afternoon menu, that's what that's what uh, gets interesting. Especially this includes a frosty made for breakfast on this new breakfast menu. There will be a morning frosty. I'm quite curious as to um, what that'll be. They have a a list of uh, three. Three big items we'll get to here in a minute. Uh, they've released a portion of their menu. They're not. They're not even given us the whole thing yet. But uh, you know, I will dissect here. The uh, this is such big news, isn't it? The, the three main, the three big items on their uh, new breakfast menu, including the here it is, the frosty chino. That's where they're getting the frosty in there. That sounds dangerous. I'm loopy. I'm loopy. If I'm not mistaken, I believe it was it was yesterday. Yesterday was National uh, whatever. Uh, it's like cheeseburger day, or that maybe that was Monday, or maybe that was today. My producer is saying it's today, so we're just gonna go with today. Uh, uh, freaking National Cheeseburger Day! I was so tempted. Uh, I guess I guess today's been a really long day because I honestly feel like this temptation was days ago, but it must have been today. I was tempted to go get a cheeseburger. Maybe I really should have gotten one because now my brain is just broken. And I can't remember if today was yesterday, if yesterday is today, tomorrow, or I don't know. Um, Wow, now I really need a hamburger. That'll put me to sleep real quick. National Cheeseburger Day. it, It really seems to be no coincidence. I rarely ever hear, like, today is National Whatever Whatever Day. But, uh... I feel like it's no coincidence that on Facebook right now, a lot of the ads targeted to me are about hamburgers and cheeseburgers and just pictures of just ridiculously massive cheeseburgers 
with stuff melted so much on it, it looks like they put it in the microwave for like five minutes and just let it all melt down. I mean, it's tempting, but you look at it and you're like, that must be at least 400 million calories. Minimum. I mean, you you throw one of these massive hamburgers in a power plant, you'll power a city for like six years. But similarly, uh, kind of on that vein here, Wendy's is, uh, you know, they're known for their square-ish hamburgers, uh, fast food chain. Uh, haven't eaten there in a long time because I'm gluten-free, unfortunately. Used to eat there all the time when I was younger. My grandfather was obsessed with that place. They're coming, they were coming out with a breakfast menu uh, across the whole country. They've been testing it. Uh, they haven't released everything quite yet. This is from CNN, so uh, it's, you know, the, the word of God. Uh, they've released a portion of it. Here are three pretty big items that will be on this menu. Uh, the first is a honey butter chicken biscuit as opposed to just chicken biscuit uh, honey butter. It's a uh, they they describe it as a buttermilk biscuit with a fried chicken sandwich in between with whipped honey butter. So, uh, I mean, that's a way to start your morning. That's that's some serious. They uh, number two, the uh, I already said it earlier, the frosty chino. You can uh, you can see where they got that from. It's a frosty milkshake infused with cold brew coffee. It comes in two flavors, vanilla and chocolate. Who would have thought? And then the uh, the third one. This is. Terrifying. If this is your breakfast, this is terrifying. It is the breakfast baconator. Good lord, it is an egg, several slices of bacon, a sausage patty, two slices of American cheese, and hollandaise sauce. I mean, that's Thanksgiving for 20 people in in one uh, breakfast baconator. Holy cow. The thing I'm confused about, though, is that this description uh, doesn't say anything about, like, bread. It just says egg, several slices of bacon, sausage patty, two slices of American cheese, and a dollop of hollandaise sauce. But uh, what do you hold it with? You know, you know I'm, it, the only thing that has two is two slices of American cheese. And I pray to God that they're not expecting you to pick this up, sandwich where the 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 bread part is actually just two slices of american cheese i um i i hope and pray something is missing from this description the chain's uh, last major attempt at uh making breakfast a reality at wendy's was in 2012 um not a great time financially for the country i don't know if that really affects uh you know fast food breakfast the uh the menu didn't expand nationwide after an initial test because of tough competition they say that's actually according to industry blog Brand Eating. Shout out. Uh, the new offerings announced this week. Again, from CNN, the new offerings announced uh, this week as in last week because this is a week old. That's not confusing. Include uh, some of the same items Wendy's currently offers in the 300 stores that sell breakfast. Did you know that? 300 stores already sell breakfast. Uh, I wouldn't know. But 300 is quite a few. A spokesperson told CNN Business that Wendy's plans to offer more than that, uh, including seasoned potatoes and croissant sandwiches. Mm. A full menu uh, and prices will be released later this year. So, very vague. So far, 
Wendy's entrance into the breakfast wars is making some investors feel nauseous, they say. The company's stock fell 10% last week. That's the worst day in nearly six years. So they announce an expansion to their menu, and their stock falls 10%. Expanding breakfast uh, breakfast to nearly 6,000 stores, as opposed to just 300, will initially cost Wendy's about $20 bucks. It's planning to hire 20,000 employees for the initiative. So this is a big deal. Wendy's CEO, uh, Todd Penegor, P-E-N-E-G-O-R, no idea, uh, saw the new menu, uh, said that the new menu, quote, provides incredible growth opportunities for the company. And I agree with it, but, man, that's a big undertaking. You know, they're, uh, they mean business. It's going to cost them $20 million bucks, and they're going to have to hire 20,000 people. That's massive. Uh, probably shows how good of a state the economy is. If you're able to afford to uh, take the gamble to hire, you know, a mere 20,000 employees. I can't even wrap my head around that. I mean, I struggle enough to think about myself, one person, having a job, one job. Now we're talking about companies trying to add 20,000. For the industry I'm going into after college, I'd be lucky if I make 20000 I'm loopy. I'm loopy. I, I love this industry so much. During that break... I, um, I, I posed for photographs. I texted five different people. I sent somebody a contact. I waved at someone through a window. I played music. I checked Facebook. I tried to find a picture on my phone. And I played uh, underwriting advertisements at the same time. Ooh, can't do that on television, can you? The, uh... I wish I wish I could go to Wendy's and order one of these breakfast items. The breakfast baconator? I mean, that's insane. Nuts. I don't think it has any nuts in it, though. Uh, so uh, one thing I've been passionate about. I, w- I won't say passionate. One thing I've been curious about and have enjoyed joking around about, especially whenever I do s- things that are slightly comical, uh, is UFOs. Aliens, all that. I'm not a firm believer that they exist, uh, but I am certainly curious. It kind of runs in the family, actually. There's a um, one of my distant relatives. Uh, my name, my my actual name, is Nate Saunders. I have a distant relative named David Saunders. He's actually my grandfather's cousin. Was a professor at University of Colorado and was hired many a year ago to be on a panel for the United States government to find out if aliens are real. No joke. And he found out when he was um, doing this process 
that the leader of the group was told by the government to make the answer that aliens do not exist. So they rigged the whole thing. The government hired this group so that they could say they had an outside source, yet the government told the main person what the answer had to be. So my distant relative, David uh, Saunders, called them out on it and was immediately fired, along with two other people. Wrote a book called UFOs? Question mark. Yes! Exclamation point. Uh, not a New York Times bestseller. Uh, not even a, a Goodwill Times bestseller. I do own a copy. Pages are very yellowed. So, uh, you know, so I have like this tie to to extraterrestrial research in my bloodline. So when people reference aliens, I take it personally. Here's a, uh, here's a big thing coming out. Uh, this was published today. Headline says, UFO videos of mysterious aircraft spotted by military pilots are real, according to the U.S. Navy. Because for, for the longest time, you know, we'll have these recordings, and the government or the, or the military branches will just say, eh, you know, we can't confirm or deny what's going on here because it might be classified might be foreign power you know a bunch of these excuses now the u.s navy says that videos captured by u.s fighter pilots and purporting to show ufos uh, are real military records of unexplained aerial encounters that's the that's the first line here from this article from the independent and this this isn't uh, weirdos saying this. This is uh, this is the U.S. Navy saying this. They say the pro the uh, the provenance, content, and validity of the footage had been subject to a significant debate during its circulation online over a number of years. Where they're talking about certain clips. A spokesman uh, told the blogger John Gilwald Jr. I'm sure you all know of him of uh, of declassified document. Uh, repository called the Black Vault. He said that, uh, quote, the Navy designates the objects contained in these videos as unidentified aerial phenomena, UAPs, which is basically another way of saying UFOs. They're just not, you know, because UFOs have the context of aliens. UAPs have the context of we have absolutely no idea. An additional statement that has come out confirmed the uh, the service had extended uh, the UAP unidentified aerial phenomena designation to three videos that were made public over the past few years. Specifically, they're called Go Fast, FLIR One, and Gimbal. So these are on the internet, and I'm sure if you search those terms, you can find exactly. What these videos are, and the Navy has said that they are UAPs, unidentified aerial phenomena. They don't know. And it's not us testing some, you know, mystery plane. They don't know. It says in some of the footage, an unknown object was seen to accelerate at apparently impossible speeds. One of the pilots said it's uh, like nothing I've ever seen. And they perform maneuvers outside the capabilities of current American aircraft. 
I don't know. You tell me. This all seems very fitting with uh, the uh, raid on Area 51 day. I believe that's this Saturday. During the App State Carolina football game. So, priorities. we got to pick one. I'm loopy. I'm loopy. We, uh, we're talking about UFOs tonight. It's something that's all. It's just always fun. You know, really, by definition, unidentified flying objects. You know, we really don't know what's going on. So everyone is pretty valid with whatever they think. Because we're all equally not valid. So it's just one of those things. It's fun to think about, fun to talk about, fun to goof around about. Fun to make movies about. And then you start seeing stuff like this article that comes out from the Independent saying that the, the U.S. Air Force, no, sorry, the U.S. Navy, has basically come out saying that there are videos that they have that have become declassified where it's UFOs. We don't know what it is. Specifically, they call them UAPs, Unidentified Aerial Phenomena. So I guess that leaves open the, the gateway for it to be something other than a flying object. It is an aerial phenomena. But still, it's a UFO. It, it's the same thing. That book, uh, UFOs, question mark, yes, exclamation point, by my uh, grandfather's cousin that I talked about earlier. Uh, I do have a copy. I believe it's in uh, – I don't think it's up here in Boone. That needs to change. But I, I took that thing to high school. Uh, I had a very uh, – a teacher with a very similar humor to me. And uh, I gave him the book and said, look at this. And he started reading it just to himself, and he's like, holy cow. So for a few weeks, we opened up every class by reading like five pages of that book. It was hilarious. The book, the book, the book covers. It's not just like a bunch of conspiracies. It, it covers what the process was like and how my grandfather's cousin got fired from this board, and then it dove into some of the actual like UFO stories they investigated, and it, it leaves it open ended. It's kind of like a journalistic view of it. It uh, it's interesting. It is mighty interesting. And all, all this uh, is coming out just a few days before the um, supposed raid of Area 51. Technically, uh, on the internet, that event has been canceled. But you know someone's going to show up. You, you just know some crazy people are going to show up. So it's going to be interesting no matter, uh, no matter what happens here. It's going to be worth uh, having in the back of my mind. So articles from The Independent was published today. It says in some of the footage that uh, the Navy has, an unknown object was seen to accelerate at apparently impossible speeds. Fighter pilots said it's like nothing they've ever seen. And these uh, unidentified aerial phenomena perform maneuvers outside of the capabilities of current American aircraft, also known as 
the best the world has right now. So it's not it's not something we've made. But unidentified uh, aerial phenomena leaves open that it might not be something made. It could be something natural that we just don't understand. But earlier this year, the U.S. Navy unveiled new ways for its pilots to report UAP encounters, which it admitted had become increasingly frequent. That's why they uh, made new measures to report this stuff, because it was happening more than it used to. Joseph Gradisher, spokesman for the Office of the Deputy Chief of Naval Operations for Information Warfare, that's a very long title, uh, and some uh, spokesman who made the most recent statements on UAPs said in April that uh, since 2014, these intrusions had been happening on a regular basis. So for the past five years, we've seen a massive spike in uh, very strange things in the sky. He uh, he said, we want to get to the bottom of this. We need, to de- we need to determine who's doing it, where it's coming from, and what their intent is. We need to try to find ways to prevent it from happening again. This is coming from the United States military. They said, we want to get to the bottom of this. We need to determine who's doing it, where it's coming from, and what their intent is. This isn't a movie. That's our own military talking about basically UFOs. It's absolutely fascinating. In in a uh, 2017 interview with the New York Times, retired U.S. Navy commander David Fravor described an encounter with a UAP in 2004 that left him, quote, pretty weirded out. The strange 40-foot oval craft, quote, accelerated like nothing I've ever seen as it approached, uh, as he approached it in his uh, fighter jet. A Navy cruiser had been tracking the object, and Commander Forever encountered it hovering a short distance above the sea over a, quote, boiling disturbance in the waves. Can't make this stuff up, man. After it disappeared, Commander Fravor and his wingman were ordered to fly to a different area 60 miles away, but were told the craft had beaten them to it before they had traveled one-third of the distance. When they arrived, the object had disappeared. The Times reported that Commander Fravor's account related to one of the three videos uh, recently ad- uh, addressed by the Navy. So that's one of the... Uh, Go Fast, FLIR1, and Gimbal videos is, uh, is this instance. It's weird. You tell me. When we come back, we... Um, There's so much about this coming out now. This all e-cigarette stuff. Even China just banned the jewel. Uh, We're going to look into some mysterious vaping link diseases. We're just figuring this stuff out. I'm Loopy. College Talk Radio. Loopy. Without banned substances. I'm Loopy.
It's uh, it's an interesting environment we're in now when it comes to nicotine things. I had an astronomy professor who every now and then talked about things that had, you know, absolutely nothing to do with astronomy. Uh, little things that just annoyed him, basically. And one of them is very valid. And it's that statistically, there are more students who leave college smoking than there are students that go into college. So people pick it up when they're in college. Yet, at the same time, the colleges are constantly preaching that smoking is a bad idea. And college kids are very, very, very influential, uh, easily not influential at all, easily influenced, quite the opposite. Super easily influenced. But on the topic of of smoking and now especially on the topic of vaping, uh, college students are, are the opposite of easily influenced. They're like rebellious. You know, they'll, they'll hear uh, one thing and do the other. And, and the, the whole issue that I've had with vaping for a long time is uh, that we just don't know anything about this. We know about smoking. We know it's horrible. But with with vaping, you know the the whole the whole reason why it was invented was to be the safe alternative, and you, you got to give them credit for that. They they did find a way, uh, you know, puts no tar in your lungs, won't kill your liver, won't kill your kidneys, whatever. Doesn't make you smell like smoke. Doesn't hurt the value of your car when you smoke in it. So the the e-cigarette vaping thing, great motive. But but the issue we're starting to we're not starting to have we are having is that these companies found out that uh, since it's more discreet, people that want to do it secretly can do it a whole lot easier. And people who don't want to do it uh, don't care about doing it secretly can do it a lot more without it annoying people. And supposedly, it's not bad for you. Supposedly. This from the Washington Post. It's, uh, it's titled, What We Know About the Mysterious Vaping-Linked Disease and Deaths. If you haven't uh, been uh, you know, hearing about this, uh, I don't know what you've been... Uh, well, I know what you've not been doing, and that's reading the news. Health officials... Lawmakers and parents have been raising alarms about vaping for a couple years, warning that products touted as healthier alternatives for smokers are instead drawing in young people with fun flavors and slick marketing. Young people. It's kind of true, though. You know, the the uh, the big time smoker isn't going to care about like strawberry pie flavored vaping. It makes sense. But the caution has taken on a new urgency in recent weeks as authorities scramble to understand, and this all really came on at one time, a rash of mysterious vaping-linked illnesses that have put healthy people in the hospital with serious lung diseases. 
Last Tuesday, authorities announced a sixth death connected to e-cigarettes, which are battery-powered devices that can look like flash drives and pens and that mimic smoking by heating liquids containing substances such as nicotine and marijuana, where it is legal, of course, or secretly purchased where not legal. Okay, because at the start, you know, this this is the healthier alternative, but it's it's eerily strange how seemingly at, at the flick of a switch, people are going to the hospital. And unfortunately, some people are dying from from the healthy alternative. Supposedly healthy alternative. Just because it's not researched and you feel okay doesn't mean it's healthy. Doesn't mean it's not bad for you. E-cigarettes have been sold for more than a decade, but reports of vaping-linked illnesses started proliferating this year. It is weird how it's all just come across this year. An investigation by state health departments in Illinois and Washington uh, traces the first signs of illnesses among 53 tracked patients to April, specifically. The month of April. The victims, mostly young men with a median age of 19, overwhelmingly ended up in the hospital, many under intensive care. And a third of that group went on respirators. Patients typically experienced coughing, chest pain, or shortness of breath before their health deteriorated to the point where they needed to be hospitalized, according to the Centers for Disease Control. Other reported symptoms include nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, fatigue, fever, and weight loss. I mean, this is... This isn't like, you know, if you vape, you get a little cold. I mean, this is crazy. This is serious. And, and I, it's just bizarre how they, they can trace this back to the month of April. And we've had this stuff for a decade. What's the difference? What changed? Search Loopy Radio on Spotify. Deja vu. I knew it. When I clicked it, I knew it. I knew I played this one last time, this intro, but uh, I'm playing it again. There goes the career right out the window. This whole this whole e-cigarette thing is um, it's sad and baffling. Uh, this this was supposed to be the safe thing, right? That's what we've all been told. It was supposed to be uh, the alternative to end all alternatives. Yeah, this is where I get into the the sensitive area of uh, 
why even consider using a substance that you know can be addictive? You know, what, what about it do you feel like uh, you have to use it for to, in order to start? Because once, once you're addicted to something, you're addicted. And that's a whole different ballgame. But uh, if you know it's addictive, why would you do it for the first time? I know that's a sensitive question, but it's got to be asked because a lot of the reason why so many kids are are using uh, vaping products and e-cigarette products is because it's the cool thing to do. Is it worth being cool when you're 15? When you know that what you're doing might not be great? Is it worth being cool? Because as as someone who is seen as not cool whatsoever at fifteen, um, it, it's it's better to be cool when you're older, when you're older than twenty two as well. It, it's cool to keep getting cooler. It, it's strange though, because e cigarettes have been sold for more than a decade. But the reports of vaping-linked illnesses really have only come around about this year. There was an investigation done, uh, tracked 53 patients in April. They were mostly men, median age of 19. A lot of them ended up in the hospital, many of those in intensive care, and a third were on respirators. I mean, this isn't like, this is serious. Many victims have ended up with what's called acute respiratory distress syndrome. It's a life-threatening condition in which uh, fluid builds up in the lungs and prevents the oxygen people's bodies need to function from, uh, from getting to the bloodstream. So, so for whatever reason, the body decides to put fluid in the in the lungs, and it, the only correlation they're finding between all these people is that uh, they're vaping. It's bizarre. The Washington Post's uh, Lena Sun chronicled one Utah man's experience with the disease. Says that uh, within days, Alexander Mitchell had gone from being a 20-year-old hiking enthusiast to being kept alive by two machines forcing air into and out of his lungs and oxygenating his blood outside of his body. That all that all happened within days. Why start? I, that that yeah, that's all that that's all that comes into my mind. Six weeks after he left the hospital, Mitchell has resumed hiking. It says, both his lung capacity diminished by twenty five percent, and he also struggles with short term memory.
Loopy. Loopy. From the Wayne Sumner Studio. How do you think when it says there's a 60% chance of rain? Because usually when there's like a 60% chance of rain, it rains some. Which would mean if it's raining, it's a 100% chance of rain. But it's really a 60% chance of rain. So what is it really talking about when it says 60%? Like if it's 90%, you expect it to rain. But it's 90%. That's not 100%. But we all, we all know it's going to rain when it's a 90% chance of rain. So that's 90% as opposed to 100% of what if it's going to rain? I don't know. Broadcasting live in Boone, North Carolina. If, if the average of the Earth is going up by 3 degrees... And Charlotte, North Carolina's average has gone up by like 10, apparently. That means somewhere else is going down 7. This is Loopy Radio, Hour 2. I'm Loopy. The show's kind of taking a dive. I started off, you know, goofily talking about fast food breakfast. Then we, we talked about aliens, and now we're talking about uh, vaping illnesses. I mean, it's just... It went from the top to to down. But it, this is totally relevant. To, there are so many people vaping. It's crazy. I only smoke about five or six times a year, and I use a pipe which is basically about as clean and pure as you can get. And I only do it with friends. It's a social thing. If I feel the need to smoke my pipe by myself, there's probably something going on. And uh, I can't remember smoking my pipe by myself. So I guess nothing's gone on. But finally, we're getting to the position where we're starting to accumulate some uh, some data and some ideas on what vaping actually does to the human body. I'm I'm so tired of people saying like you know this new thing has come out and it's great and perfect and there's nothing you know nothing harmful about it, nothing wrong about it. Uh, the reality of it is is we just don't know. It could be great for you could be terrible for you. It could be neutral. We don't know. And uh, unfortunately, in the case of vaping, it seems like it might be a not good for you. Now, is it a good alternative to, like, chain smoking? Uh, that's certainly a decent question. That's still worth, it's still worth figuring that out. But the, the, the vaping situation, it, there's just such a higher nicotine concentration that does really does uh, one big thing it's just way more addictive and you want it more but the problem is that it already has more nicotine to begin with so that increases your amount and then you're doing it more so that increases it you know you're like exponentially increasing it the amount of nicotine consumption and that's the addictive part this article from the Washington Post says that the first death to a vaping-related illness was recorded on August 23rd in Illinois. At that time, federal and state officials were investigating almost 200 cases of this uh, vaping-related sickness in 22 states. 
About two weeks ago, Oregon officials announced a second death. It's it's crazy how quick this happened. But yeah, about two weeks ago, Oregon officials announced a second death, saying a middle-aged adult fell seriously ill after vaping with marijuana oil. It was the first uh, casualty linked to a store-bought product. So that was store that was sold legally in a store. Three more deaths were soon disclosed in Indiana, Minnesota, California, and now Kansas. Officials say they are not sure. Why the afflictions are just now surfacing? We don't know uh, what the what the change was. Sean Callahan, a physician at the University of Utah, uh, said, "You have a lot of otherwise healthy young people suddenly arriving with fast developing pneumonia in emergency rooms. And that will raise red flag in a hurry." The uh, the physician said, "Quote: This is new." We get to the big question. Who is affected? Uh, As of Friday, officials counted 450 U.S. cases of potentially vaping-related illness spread among 33 states and one territory. While most of the victims have been young, all those who died were adults. And what uh, what do we know about the cause of the illness? Officials are still trying to figure out what exactly is causing people to fall ill. They think... Some uh, chemical or chemicals are to blame. A nationwide investigation has found no particular vaping devices or products linked to all cases and is looking into potential contamination or counterfeit. So they, they're not, they did, none of this uh, points toward a certain product being the issue. It's like a general vaping issue, not a vaping in a certain way or vaping with a certain thing. Which, which honestly makes it a little more scary because uh, if you knew it was linked to one product, you could just avoid it. We're starting to get some policies, though, up in New York. Uh, New York is already banded, I believe. And the Trump administration is definitely looking into some legislation for this. And then some bigger news from China. I'm Loopy. I'm Loopy. So this article is dated about a week, so I'm going to try to uh, avoid as much as I know is dated as possible. I should have been better about preparing. But uh, I'm in college, so I have no time for life. (sighs) But over here, they think college is life, although it's not. Uh, So how are authorities and policymakers responding to this this vaping e-cigarette issue that's starting to evolve, really, from nothing? They say uh, the Washington Post says so many details are still unclear about the whole thing. And authorities are advising people to put away their e-cigarettes until we know more. New York's health commissioner Howard Zucker warned residents uh, last Saturday to stop using vape products until the CDC could determine the cause of vaping-related illnesses nationwide. 
the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, which is leading inquiries into the illnesses and working with state health departments, has told doctors to ask patients about e-cigarettes when they arrive with symptoms resembling the vaping-linked afflictions and report the cases to the health departments. Some lawmakers are calling for more urgent action from the federal government. Senator Richen Durbin, Democrat from Illinois, on Friday, last Friday, accused the FDA's acting chief, Norman Sharples, of, quote, sitting on his hands, tweeting that he would call for the leader's resignation if he did not, quote, take action in the next 10 days. Durbin's calls for increased e-cigarette regulation uh, comes two years after the FDA pushed back its deadline to review the products, which the agency has yet to approve. So they could have had this researched earlier, but they uh, they pushed it off. They're procrastinating. And uh, as far as I know, they still are. Vaping, uh, the commonality of it, vaping has risen dramatically in popularity around the world. From 7 million users in 2011 to 35 million a few years ago. And that's uh, also as smoking rates decline. So we are having some people switch over. Tobacco and cigarette company Altria, A-L-T-R-I-A, Altria Group, Estimated nearly 14 million nicotine e-cigarette users in the United States earlier this summer. Wow. 14 million. Another study found last year that more than half of American adult e-cigarette users are under 35 years old. So that generation, 35 and younger, stoking concerns about vaping among young people. Studies showing vaping's popularity among teens sparked particularly uh, worrying last year. About 37% of 12th graders reported vaping over the past year in one government-funded survey. 37% of high school seniors in this country have reported that they've been vaping. It's, uh, it's nuts. Past month, uh, past month nicotine vaping rates among seniors doubled, and younger students also reported higher use of uh, marijuana vaping. A CDC report found last year that uh, e-cigarettes were the most popular product among nearly 5 million high school and middle school students who use tobacco. So if you you sit around thinking that this isn't common, 37% of 12th graders in this country, 37% of 12th graders. And most of the people using these products are under the age of 35. Absolutely nuts. But here's, uh, here's another little thingy that just arose today. This is from Engadget. It says one week after Juul starts selling products in China, they're no longer available. And it's not because they sold out. It appears Juul's fortunes are about to get even worse, this article says. Bloomberg reports that retailers in China have pulled the company's products just one week after they became available within the country. Citing that, quote, a person familiar with the matter 
The publication says Jewel uh, wasn't told why e-cigarettes and nicotine pods were removed from both physical and online stores. Just one week, and China bans them. But because they don't know the, uh, the the true motivation, it's unclear whether or not this is because of vaping or if it's because of the U.S. and China trade war. We uh, we don't really – see, that's another little thingy, but uh, still. It's safe to say, however, and Gadget says, the setback comes at a time when Jewel faces uncertain prospects in the U.S. Last week, the Trump administration announced uh, it, may begin, it may ban the sale of most flavored e-cigarettes. Two states, New York and Michigan, have already enacted their own bans. At the same time, the company is the target of separate investigations by the House, Senate, and Federal Trade Commission. Without access to the Chinese market, the company is likely to have a more difficult time weathering new restrictions in its home country. Turmoil in the uh, in the jewel department. I mean, I know plenty of people that have these things. Plenty of people. And it's expensive, honestly. Man, I don't know. I know I wouldn't do it. The sad reality of the cloud when we come back. I'm Loopy. immediately told several things. Well, one is uh, that we're special. Uh, and the second is that paper is evil. Uh, those are the first two things we're told. In that order. And so uh, we have a bunch of, uh, you know, every assignment is now digitalized. and we, we submit things online, which is all good. I'm fine with all that. Uh, our system works pretty well. It allows me to work on a computer, which I like to do. My handwriting is terrible, so it's it's good for everyone that my material, at least, is digital and typed. Because half the time, I can't even read my own handwriting. I start off with the first few words are decently written, and then all the rest basically turns into ancient hieroglyphics. And um, I have to, like, decipher what I wrote as I'm reading. And I, I know I'm not the only person like this. Now, my boss also has um, some – his handwriting looks more stylish than mine, but we're both pretty notorious for not being able to actually read what we wrote. It's like we're, we're, it's like we're writing a fake language, but it's actually supposed to be English. So we'll, we'll be in a meeting and just be like, I have a note here, and I don't know what it is. And we'll sit there for five minutes try to figure out what it is, and we're like, eh, whatever. It was important, but we can't read it, so we'll just ignore it. But something that has been largely ignored, there's se- there are actually a lot of things here that are largely ignored uh, when it comes to saving this planet. First of all, it's that the U.S. isn't the problem, but uh, we won't talk about that. Uh, a big thing, though, is that nobody really talks about just how terrible 
the internet is for the planet. It is horrible. All of these uh, clouds that we have access to with massive amounts of data that we're sharing all the time uses a striking amount of electricity. It is stunning how much electricity this uses. Have you heard of this uh, Despacito, the music video? Despacito, it has sent an internet record in April of 2018 when it became the first video to hit 5 billion views on YouTube. And I checked the other night, it is now up to 6.4 billion views. In the process, Despacito uh, reached a less celebrated milestone. It burned as much energy as 40,000 U.S. homes use in a year. The Internet isn't this magical fairyland that doesn't have consequences and repercussions. A lot of people just don't understand how the Internet works, but guess what? If it wasn't for electricity, there would be no Internet. In order for that video to get 5 billion views, it used as much energy, electricity, as it takes to power 40,000 U.S. homes for a year. Just so people could watch a music video. That's just one video. That's relatively short. That's not, that's not streaming, binge watching in a Netflix series. I wonder right now, since it's so popular, just how much electricity the show Friends is using through Netflix. This is from Fortune.com. It says computer servers, which store website data and share it with other computers and mobile devices, create the magic of, a, of the virtual world, the cloud. But every search, click, or streamed video sets several servers to work. A Google search for Despacito activates servers in six to eight data centers around the world, consuming very real energy. Today, data centers consume about 2% two of electricity worldwide. 2% of all electricity across the entire world is solely to run the internet. And that could rise to 8% of the global total by 2030. U.S. data centers uh, consumed 70 billion kilowatt hours of electricity in 2014. That's just U.S. data centers, internet servers. 70 billion kilowatt hours of electricity. The same amount that 6.4 million American homes used that year. The same amount. So I'll keep this in your mind as we're going. What's worse, running the internet, running these servers uh, for the cloud, or using a little bit of paper? Data centers need electricity to power their servers, to power their storage equipment, their backups, and most really importantly, the cooling infrastructure. Most servers require temperatures below 80 degrees Fahrenheit to operate, and cooling can comprise up to 40% of the 
of electricity usage in conventional data centers. It's a it's an engineering masterpiece these uh, data centers, but holy cow, electricity! You should just use some solar panels. I think the weather in Boone today proved that one wrong. Uh, Deborah Tan, the director of Hong Kong-based nonprofit China Water Risk, says, quote, people don't think about the backed consequences of Netflix streaming. People don't think about the back-end consequences of Netflix streaming. The, in- the information and communications technology sector is one of the most power-hungry sectors going forward. The global shift towards uh, what Tan calls, quote, cloud-based societies, America, the U.S. is already one of them, and the rise of um, tech like 5G networks, robotics, and artificial intelligence and cryptocurrencies means electricity consumption in data centers will keep surging. The Internet is not a magical fairyland run on, uh, run on nothingness. In most cases, it's run on coal. Trees are renewable. And one tree makes a lot of paper. Just one tree. Start thinking about that. Data's massive carbon footprint. I like that. uh, Written on this article. Because servers are housed in nondescript data centers rather than factories with billowing smokestacks, the size of their carbon footprint is easily overlooked because it's techie and cool and Google and Apple and not billowing black smoke into the sky. But the constant increasing demand for connectivity means ever more energy funneled into these data centers. And much of that energy is non-renewable and contributes to carbon emissions. Data centers contribute 0.3% to global carbon emissions, according to Nature. And the, uh, in, the information communications technology sector as a whole contributes over 2% of global carbon emissions. And these numbers will increase, for sure. The U.S. is home to 3 million data centers. Think about that. 3 million data centers, or roughly one for every 100 Americans. A large number are clustered in Loudoun Loudoun County in northern Virginia. Tech giant. I know there's one outside Charlotte as well. Tech giants like Amazon, Microsoft, and Google operate data centers there. And county officials claim that 70% of the world's internet traffic flows through that area's data centers. There's a reason for it. We'll get there in a second. Only 12% of Amazon's Loudoun County data centers and 4% of Google's are powered by renewable energy. That's, uh, that's not much. Despite, and that's all despite their pledges to shift to 100% clean energy. Whatever clean energy is, uh, you tell me. 
The region's low commercial electricity rates make it an attractive site for power-guzzling data centers. There's a reason why they're all in Loudoun County, Virginia. It's because the power's cheap. Deborah Tan of China Water Risk, who I mentioned earlier, says that American tech firms with a global presence like Google and Facebook must step up their existing commitments to clean energy, as must Chinese tech companies like uh, the ones that source 60 67% of their energy from coal in 2017. 67% of their energy came from coal, the big ones in China. China's data center industry is the world's second largest comprising 8% of the global market. But here's the thing to really think about that um, we're covering a bit in one of my internet classes I'm in, and it's that data, this uh, putting together of data for the internet, it's never going to end until the internet ends or changes, whatever that would look like. This is from Fortune.com. It says the Internet's, quote, never-ending creation of data explains why electricity demand in data centers will likely surge in the future, says Huawei researcher uh, Anders Andre. That's an interesting name. Who cites more advanced video, 5G networks, AI training, holographs, and cryptocurrency mining as some of the drivers of this uh, increase of data that will not stop. The energy consumption of Bitcoin mining, which is a very interesting topic, has been a concern for many watching the rise of cryptocurrencies. And analysts have said Bitcoin mining consumes around 3%, uh, 0.3% of global electricity. Just Bitcoin mining alone consumes 0.3% of global electricity. This stuff can't be ignored. In China... The government is starting to crack down on the practice. Authorities in China's inner Mongolia province uh, said earlier this month that they will no longer support the crypto mining industry. Though they did not uh, issue an official ban. So, uh, you know, take whatever uh, you get from China. Inner Mongolia's cheap electricity, thanks to a wealth of coal, is what uh, drew crypto miners to the far-flung province. In China, data centers get 73% of their power from coal and 23% from renewable sources. Again, um, nothing is perfectly clean. The country's clean energy industry is still developing, so there's a lack of infrastructure compared to the coal power sources, which are relatively cheap and abundant. This is for China. China accounts for half of the global coal consumption. People... The U.S. is not the problem. When it comes to carbon emissions and global warming and all this stuff that we are preached about that we stink in college and we're killing the planet, it's not us. So stop trying to make me feel bad. It's annoying. And this internet thing that you uh, can't live without, it's pretty terrible, too. I'm Loopy. App State's godfather of talk radio. I'm Loopy. 
So the internet is evil. And uh, eats coal for breakfast. But really, it's it's not like the U.S.'s problem that uh, you know the the, the Earth is going to be so hot in three minutes that uh, you know we'll all melt. Uh, it's not the U.S.'s problem. And frankly, um, it kind of like how with the the e-cigarette situation. It was so new, and it still is so new, we don't know the negative aspects until it's kind of too late for some people. I feel like the internet shares a lot of that that uh, situation. I mean, we get all these cloud servers, and we're like, ooh, look, paperless, no paper. Paper is evil. We have to cut down trees, and dang it, we have to wait 15 years for another one. Ah, oh, too bad the world isn't massive. Too bad we can't grow trees almost everywhere. So we get this internet thing so that we can save the trees, so that we don't offend them. And, uh, oh... Oh, yeah, it takes electricity to run the... Oh, the internet. Oh. And not only does it take electricity to to run the internet, crap, making all these servers uses a lot of rare earth materials that are horrible to mine and is illegal to do so in the United States. So we make them do it in China and Africa because because we're nice to the planet. By not doing it in the U.S. Oh. Oh, wait, hold on. The Internet's actually... When we use it this much, it's terrible for the planet. Oh. Good luck being eco-friendly. Good luck. If you're doing... If you're creating something, you are using something. And chances are these days, somebody isn't going to like what you're using. Somebody's going to find an excuse or a reason to say what you're doing is bad for the planet. China has some uh, data centers, much like the U.S., but they're run mostly on coal because they're China and not the United States. China's data centers emitted 99 million tons of carbon dioxide in 2018. And will emit two-thirds more by 2023. Unless industry addresses its energy consumption. Get this, though. Streaming Netflix, if you really want to be nice to the planet, uh, don't stream videos. Buy a uh, CD. But... Streaming Netflix on medium quality rather than high definition could save over 75% of carbon emissions. Yeah. So if you watch your Netflix show on medium quality as opposed to maximum, that will cut off 75% of the carbon emissions that that would have produced. Think about that. 
Be the Prius of the internet. As if the Prius is good compared to other cars. Be energy efficient on the internet. The more you know, the more confusing the world gets and the more messed up the world gets. That, that's what I've really concluded in college. I've learned very few useful things, but one of them is that the things people know are generally either wrong or skewed or just weird. You can be fuel efficient when you browse the internet. It's 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 just funny. Uh, it, there, there's so many things about the internet and about all this technology we just don't know. We don't understand, and uh, a lot of people, frankly, most people don't care. I'm and I'm I'm in an internet class right now, an internet studies class, and basically the whole class is we read some pages in a book about uh, somebody's guess of what the future is like. Call themselves a futurist. Somehow they make money doing this. Uh, we read some pages from their book that's completely speculation. And then we show up to class and just speculate together. It's like group speculation therapy. We all just sit around and talk about what we think will happen in the future. And this is a class. And it's costing me money. But I have to have it in order to graduate with a broadcast journalism degree. So... You explain that to me. Just sit around and talk about things that we have no answers for and no basis behind. And frankly, no understanding, and I'm not learning anything. Here's something I have learned, though, uh, recently. This is one of the weirdest fusions I've ever seen. It has to do with Pizza Hut and Cheez-It. Now, I remember the first time I ever witnessed... Like the cheesy bites crust from Pizza Hut. I don't know if I've ever had it, but I've witnessed it. And it looked absolutely stunningly gorgeous. I, th- those are the words I have for it. I can't eat anymore because I'm gluten-free, but mm. it, it looked like two things. It looked like heaven on earth, and it looked like clogged arteries. And sometimes it's it's worth it. Sometimes, you know, you, you know what you're putting in you. And it's good and bad at the same time. But when we come back, I'll I'll end the show on a... uh, Oh, man. The fusion. This is what you get when you combine Pizza Hut and Cheez-Its. This is a thing. This is real. Craver's Delight, Snacker Craver's Delight, Pizza Hut Stuffed Cheez-It Pizza. What? You heard that right. Pizza Hut Stuffed Cheez-It Pizza. What the heck? 
We will dive into this immediately. This is from a website called The Takeout, which is quite appropriate for this. Amy Levitt wrote this. I mean, wow, this came out yesterday. Pizza Hut is planning to release a stuffed Cheez-It pizza. I mean, there's so many questions to be asked about this. Um, Like, would the Cheez-Its be scattered across the top? Like uh, like Doritos and a Quad Cities pizza? You know, is, is it going to be like a pizza where you get Cheez-Its and, like, that's a topping? But this is called the stuffed Cheez-It pizza. So would it, would it be like a, uh, the crust is made of pulverized Cheez-Its? Would it be like that? I mean, these are these are the serious questions in life. Here's the thing, though. People from this website uh, have tested it. They say this is not a pizza. And one person says it looks like a toasted ravioli that made of Cheez-Its. It says, unlike a lot of fast food items, the stuffed Cheez-It pizza looked just like its promotional photo. Each stuffed Cheez-It was larger than a regular toasted ravioli, about the size of the palm of your hand. They can, and they come to uh, four in an order along with a cup of marinara. They say that the exterior crust actually does taste like a Cheez-It. The interior tastes like a Pizza Hut cheese and pepperoni pizza. Uh, And you can also just get a plain cheese one for, uh, if you don't like pepperonis. That'd be a whole lot of cheese, though. Uh, They say at first it was too much, too much salt, too much cheese. And then they uh, dipped it in the marinara, and that's when it all kind of made sense. So uh, it's kind of it's kind of made to be dipped in marinara sauce, stuffed cheese it pizza. They say though that the only true flaw when they tested it was the crust. The other thing that makes cheese it's uh, so compulsively snackable, they say, besides the cheese, is the crunchiness. They say the contrast between the crust and the cheese is also one of the things that make pizza. And also true about toasted ravioli, so great. They say that uh, in this case of the um, stuffed Cheez-It pizza, there's really no crunch. It's like a soft Cheez-It with pizza on the inside. So uh, go for it. There, There are times, and this is one of them, where it's good for my own health that I have to be gluten free. Because I would eat this. And I'd probably eat a lot of it. To like the point where they would give me stock in the company. I'm looping. 